1: not always raining, there'll be days like this. When there's no one complaining, there'll be days like this. Everything falls into place like the flick of a switch. While well, my mama told me, there'll be days like this.
2: 307 on the Central Coast. It is Thursday, January 4th, 2024. I'm Dave Congleton, welcoming you to the Thursday edition of Hometown Radio. We're with you all the way till seven o'clock. In this opening hour, January is restaurant month, and normally we would be encouraging you to go support local restaurants, and we certainly want to. Make that part of the conversation. But there's a larger issue taking place. Why, oh, why have so many restaurants within the county been closing lately? A partial list would include Splash Cafe in San Luis, Taco Temple in San Luis, Big Sky, Tortilla Town, Minton Craft, Village Host and Grill, Mo's Barbecue, High Water, Chili's in Paso, Cocos, Nardoni's in Atascadero, Willow Down in Napomo. Always good to be in conversation with uh, Jamie Lewis, well-known podcaster. Her podcast is called Consumed. Also, respected food columnist Jamie, nice to see you again. Thank you, Dave. And uh, we welcome back Robin Kirk Wolf, who's going to be with us for the first part of the conversation. She's wearing her hat as former restaurateur in San Luis. You had high water. Hi, Robin.
3: Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me. Thanks
2: for being had I appreciate you coming in, Robin. What's your general reaction to this partial list of restaurants? What's going on?
3: I mean, it's it's heartbreaking. I think that everyone can agree on that, if nothing else. Um, you know, being somebody who was born and raised in Slow County before spending over a decade in New York City and moving back because I love San Luis County so much, it it is absolutely heartbreaking to see all of these places that we've known and loved um, for decades, some of them, and even just for a year or two, some um, closing their doors.
2: And why are they closing their doors? There's probably no one reason.
3: Yeah, I wish I had a, you know, a soundbite answer for you. I think that just like restaurants themselves and the people who own them. Um, everybody comes at it with, you know, different dreams and, you know, fights different battles. I think that there are some definite common fights that we've all fought, though. Um, I think that, you know... COVID-19 and the closures that we endured definitely did something to our industry that we've never seen before. You know, I remember working in New York during the 2008 financial crisis, and there were industries that were suffering greatly, and the hospitality industry really came through kind of unscathed from that. So I would say you'd have to go as far back as maybe Prohibition to see a time when, you know, restaurants and bars have been this hard hit by something. yeah, Yeah, coming out of COVID... It's just kind of a new world.
2: Jamie, this is your beat. What are your impressions? What's happening? It's more than just parking.
4: (laughs) Parking? Who said anything about parking? I had to throw it out. Uh, Yeah. Um, It is obviously, I hope it's obvious to people that this is about more than parking. This has been going on. I've been doing some research in preparation for talking with you over the past. I mean, you asked me yesterday, so I've been scrambling to figure some things out. And what I find is that it's across the nation across the nation. It's not only here, and it's not only in California. Businesses, restaurants are struggling with the cost of goods. They're struggling with the cost of taxes. They're really struggling with labor. In particular, I would say in our area, labor is really difficult for myriad reasons. Um, But those are just a few. One of the big ones that I keep coming up with is market share and saturation of the market. You can't have 16 pizza places within the scope of, I don't know, 10 square blocks and expect them all to do perfectly well. Well, there's a
2: comparison with radio. Uh, There was a time back in the 1990s when we were accused of having far too many radio stations in the county. We had this ginormous number. Hmm. We don't have that problem anymore, Mm -hmm. right? so. we have too many restaurants of certain types.
4: I'm not saying we have too many restaurants. I'm I'm really of not certain saying types. that. But I will, you know, there is something to be said about um survival of the fittest. Survival of the most uh the most stable, the the longest standing, and also survival of the one that has the most capital. Yeah. So those things don't come easily, simply or quickly and um I I think that that's a huge part of it. I would say that market share uh, is a big part of it. But we also are a university town, if we're just talking about San Luis Obispo, um, and the university has a massive impact on the way people eat here, uh, those people being in many cases college students with either a lot or a little to spend they run the gamut too
2: absolutely so robin share with us the story about high water and the establishment that you and your husband had
4: yeah
3: um so high water was uh, a restaurant that we opened late in 2021 and unfortunately closed in summer of 2023 uh, my husband and i have both been restaurant people since you know, we were teenagers. I started working, you know, as a waitress at 17, and that was over 25 years ago. So I've kind of moved my way up in this industry and got to a certain point. Along with my husband, Matthew, where we were really ready to kind of strike out on our own to open something that we felt, you know, displayed our experience and a place that we would want to hang out in in San Luis Obispo Mm -hmm. as people who were over 25 and under 50.
5: Mm
4: -hmm. Robin and Matt, I will also speak to their experiences. They have made a career of this. They have made a career of Excellent service learning 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 competitive in the market. Um, I'm talking about before they open the restaurant. That's yeah. something that makes Robin and matt really stand out is that they have the chops to stick with. They have the chops to really run a restaurant multiple restaurants. So they are they are money in the bank as far as slow County is, in, is concerned. There aren't many people like that. Here, the part-time gig is the more common gig, and there's less investment from the employee. Um, there's, there isn't enough competition. It's not competitive right now. So um, that's just a word about the difference between a career hospitality industry person and someone who does it kind of on the side.
2: Right. But you made the decision to close. That could not have been easy. We didn't. Um, It was
3: honestly one of the the, the hardest decisions I've ever made in my life. Um, 2023 was one of the hardest years that Matt and I have both been through, and that's saying a bit. Um, Yeah, we we felt that it was our responsibility to... um, to our employees, first of all, and to you know everyone in our community to not push past that point of viability, if that makes sense. Um, I have worked for restaurants before that closed all of a sudden and we all found out by a note on the door and there's mm. nothing more horrible for your staff. Um, and it's just not a good way to go, especially if you'd ever like to open a restaurant again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it was heartbreaking, but um, we felt it was the responsible thing to do.
2: On the Stolberg text line, a uh, listener is saying, uh, quoting the one of the business partners of Taco Temple, mm. the closure of the slow restaurant came after a slowdown in business following the pandemic and loss of lunchtime business. Yeah,
4: I read that too. That's definitely something
3: that I've heard. There aren't a lot of places in downtown SLO that are brave enough to do lunchtime service because it's definitely harder to make your money back than dinner service. Um, the labor alone will kill you on lunchtime service. So, yeah, uh, it, that's definitely something to be
2: concerned about. A friend of mine who's a restaurateur said they don't serve lunch because people don't drink at lunch. That,
3: that That's is a great Absolutely point. valid. Um, a, a great portion of our income um, came from beverage sales. And... You know, um, buying a liquor license in Slow County is insanely difficult and insanely expensive. So, while I had friends who were talking about buying houses, I was talking about (laughs) buying a liquor license.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, let's take a quick break. We will come back and continue our conversation with Robin Kirk Wolf and Jamie Lewis, trying to figure out why all these local restaurants have been closing. We're live, we're local. It's Hometown Radio. This is the Dave Congleton Show. Always your hometown radio talk show. Join us tomorrow. Actor Lou Ferrigno will be our special guest. Also, Gary J. Freiberg checks in. We are checking in with Robin Kirk Wolf and Jamie Lewis, I'm trying to figure out why all the local restaurants are closing down. Let's take a call. Introduce Samantha for us, Jamie.
4: Samantha Welch is uh, with Blue Mango Management uh, Restaurant Group, which owns Novo, Luna Red, Robbins in San Luis Obispo, and Cambria.
2: Samantha joins us now. Samantha, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. How are you? Oh, we're good. The question is, how are you?
6: (laughs) I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm actually, uh, I'm fighting this cold that everybody is getting, but we are, uh, from the restaurant perspective, we are just trying to catch up after the holiday season.
2: Well, of course, this is January restaurant, uh, January's restaurant month. So uh, with talking with Jamie and Rob and Samantha, we'd like to hear from you. What's your assessment of what's happening with some of our local restaurants?
6: I think, really, it comes down to, I think, the, uh, Robin and Jamie have done a, a nice job hitting on, on some of the, the, the high-level bullet points, um, market competition and whatnot, but it, it comes down to restaurants are hard. We work with a, a product that expires on a daily basis. Um, we have trouble finding staff. We are open odd hours, so finding a, a talent pool. That is willing to work that um we are definitely known for having a labor pool that is either part-time this is or um you know they're they're with us for a short amount of time while they're waiting for their their real career quote unquote to speak to get started um so it's the con- it's a, a constant churn of training which is expensive and exhausting um but it it's it really is a labor of love when it comes down to it. I think at this point we are we're we're definitely finding that touch point of where the market prices currently need to be based on the cost of goods, based on the cost of labor um and what co- uh consumers are actually willing to pay, and you know it's expensive to live here to going out to dinner is expensive and it it is it is not unreasonable for someone to cut out dining because it just doesn't align with their budget anymore
3: yeah
2: yeah robin you want to comment
3: absolutely um it's that it's definitely something where uh dining out is now definitely an indulgence and a treat and uh as somebody who dines out quite a bit even i have had to scale back. But as Samantha said, it is a difficult sector. And I think that a lot of really well-meaning folks who walk into restaurants think because they've dined in restaurants that they understand how a restaurant should be run or how a restaurant should work. And I'll tell you that I have been in many doctor's offices and I would never want to assume to tell them how to do what they do. <laughs> yes, that's very um, true. So there are many, many things that people just don't realize. Um, our cost of goods in 2022 um, went up about 33%. Um, it was absolutely insane. Um, payroll taxes skyrocketed. Um, utilities went up several I was just hundred say,
4: percent. Somebody told me six percent increase year over year for mm-hmm. electricity.
3: And, I mean, when you're talking about your home bills, that can be extremely frustrating, but going from $60 to, like, you know, $100. And if you're, you know, in a restaurant, you're going from $1,100 to, like, $3,500. And sometimes it's, you know, and we had... (laughs) things like floods and fires and things to deal with that uh, are very unpredictable and are hard to budget for so it's it can be very difficult
4: sam one of the things that you and i uh texted about a little bit was i loved what you said about being a legacy restaurant and not becoming (laughs) your mom's favorite restaurant but becoming (laughs) your favorite restaurant what does that mean
6: yeah yeah this is something that you know this is the 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 idea that keeps me up at night, um, and that is Novo has been in in operation for 21 years now. Luna Red has just crested over 13 years. Robinson Cambria for 38 years. Um, so we are definitely running mature businesses. That being said, it doesn't mean that we didn't scrape for every single dollar. And honestly, there are some years, some months, some weeks where we still are, um, it's, it's so easy when you're running something like a three to five percent profit margin on a business that just one unexpected expense, for example, Novo's HVAC system went out, so we are now replacing that HVAC system. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not unheard of for one unexpected expense to completely turn over what you're expecting to make for a profit line, whether it's break even or coming up in the, in the lack, which is everybody's hope and dream, um, but once you reach that maturity level where you're actually financially solvent, so we're talking, you know, five to ten years or more of business where you're actually relying on the fact that okay, we're we're in this, we are consistently at a greater than break-even position, but now we're struggling against how do we stay relevant. Mm-hmm. Um,
5: mm-hmm.
6: How do we change with the times? How do we evolve from being mom and dad's favorite restaurant to being the next generation of diners favorite restaurant as well? How do we mm. walk the tightrope of being the restaurant that, you know, we don't shoot ourselves in the foot by changing what has brought us success, mm-hmm. but we also Innovate enough that we can attract a different clientele or a different generation of diner.
4: There are people on that restaurant closure list that come to mind when you talk about that.
2: Well, here's a text. Right. Here's a text on the Stolberg line. They don't name the restaurant, but they went out Saturday night. I find this hard to believe, but they're claiming two avocado burgers, fries, three drinks, tax and tip, $105.
3: Mm. Yeah, that happened. Yeah. I'm
4: gonna tell you right now that happened. I mean really? burgers, yeah. are not, uh, burgers are not burgers are hundred and five dollars.
6: Say when they what the drinks were. I mean, were they iced teas
4: or were they? Uh, uh, just, yeah, yeah. You know? Three Good
6: drinks.
2: Point. Just as three drinks.
6: <laughs> or were they $20 old fashioned? Yeah, yeah, if they
2: were cocktails
3: yeah. or something. I was going to say because those burgers are probably around $20. Yep. Um, the If they had cocktails, they're around $15. Yeah. Um, then you have tax and you have
2: gratuity, uh, which is important. <laughs>
3: um, and yeah, you're right up there
2: with that. All right, uh, Samantha, I so appreciate you calling in. I want to give uh, Robin a chance to speak before she leaves, but thank you for being part of the conversation. Robin, one of the things you wanted to stress before you take off is that we can't blame uh, the individual owner. Yeah, I think
3: it's important to to understand that uh, that every story is different. And again, I can only speak, you know, advisedly from my perspective, but you can do everything right on paper. You can build an amazing place that gets people in the door, that people are enjoying. You can get the great reviews. You can have all of that. And yet still, with that profit margin that Sam mentioned, you know, uh, if your walk-in refrigerator goes out, which ours did, if your, you know, water heater needs to be replaced, which ours did, that kills your entire profit for a month, maybe two. Mm -hmm. And so to kind of the onus on. I, I don't want to ever discourage these small business owners from taking the chance. Um, just because my restaurant did not work does not mean that I will not support yours.
2: Yeah, but will it mean that you'll never try it again?
3: Um, I, ask me again next year. Maybe <laughs> I'm still too fresh. <laughs> too it's, <laughs> it's too too soon. Um, but I I will never say never. I will say that I learned a lot, and um, I will I will say probably eventually.
2: Right. Good, but it's fair to say that I mean, here it is January. By the end of the year, more restaurants are going to close.
4: Unfortunately, yes. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. Along with other kinds of businesses. Yes, I'm not. I'm and not. There's an article in the
2: Tribune today yeah. that has mm-hmm. businesses from Crush Grape on down.
4: Sure,
3: I know Crushed Grape. Right. <sighs> it's sad, and it's not new, unfortunately, and it's also not going. stop, But Mm -hmm. I think that we can, you know, people who go on social media or people who, you know, comment on the comment section of the Tribune, Mm -hmm. um, that they want to support these restaurants or they're so disappointed this restaurant closed. I I think it's important that we are proactive and that we speak with our dollars and not just with our words. And so get in there. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: Jamie's going to stick around. Uh, Robin's got to leave. I'll give you a chance for a final thought. Final thought, it is restaurant month. It is
3: January. Please, please, please go out there and support your local restaurants, even if you're, you know, going in to get, you know, just that $20 burger or just that cocktail. It could mean the difference to whether or not we lose more amazing restaurants this year.
5: All
2: right, Robin, good to see you. Good luck with everything. Thanks Off so we go. We've got news and traffic and weather. Jamie Lewis will continue with us. January is restaurant month, but we're dealing with the reality that a lot of these restaurants are closing down how can we help stay tuned landed on the dave congleton show always your hometown radio talk show we're in conversation with jamie lewis podcaster of uh, consumed available however you find your podcasts uh food columnist extraordinaire why are so many local restaurants closing although as jamie has pointed out this is a trend that is happening across the state across the country so let's rephrase that why are so many restaurants closing Uh, We gave you a partial list. Uh, Back on the phones we go. Look who's calling in. It's the CEO of the San Luis Obispo Chamber of Commerce. Here's our friend Jim Dantona. Jim, good afternoon.
7: Dave, good to be on the show. Thanks for taking the call. And Jamie, thanks for doing this great work.
4: Hey, Jim, nice to hear from you. So
7: what's up? So, two things I first, I wanted to say uh, in some of these, what you know Robin was just hitting on talking about um, you know go out and get uh, support your your local restaurant, the city uh, at least in the city of San Luis Obispo, right now we're working on a program where you spend a hundred dollars for those two avocado burgers and the three <laughs> drinks. Um, when you spend a hundred dollars, you get another twenty five dollar gift card to a restaurant. So, if you're doing that in the city of Slow, I highly recommend. Uh, you come down to the chamber office, get a a gift card for that, and really, thanks to the city of Slo for investing in our restaurants. But I really want to uh, kind of connect on you know we heard of a lot of these folks going out of work uh or out of business and is terrible, but then we see these others like Ebony, which is this great Ethiopian restaurant right mm-hmm. finding a, a a key niche and Corazon cafe mm-hmm. um coming in really doing something different, um, and then even Benny's Pizza, right, that mm. took over the old um, restaurant. So one of the things I was wondering if Jamie was, is how are these folks kind of maybe, in your thoughts, developing um, a fan base mm-hmm. that starts to create that. And I think Sam talked a little bit about how do you get to that next generation.
2: Mm-hmm.
7: Um, and yeah. I think that's a key part to what we're talking about, because there are new restaurants right. coming online.
2: And, is, and, let, and me piggyback, weeks, so, let me yeah. piggyback on that, Jamie. It's an excellent question, but how many of those places are going to be around in a
4: year? Well, I of course, I have no crystal ball for that. But, right. Jim, you raised such a good question. I don't know if you realize you actually answered it yourself. Benny's, uh, Ebony, and Corazon all started as pop-ups. They all three did. They market tested. They found that they had a niche. Each of those is a very... We have Detroit pizza. We have Ethiopian food. And we have Mexican food from a specific... Um, I mean, Pedro's from Chiapas. He has a specific way of preparing Mexican food. He worked at Big Sky for decades maybe um and chencho his partner they have market tested market tested market tested they they slipped their toes into the water they did not dive in without a clue of how to do it so that's a critical piece i would say and i don't know how the city or chamber feels about pop-ups but if you're asking why they're successful i would say a they have an interesting unique product to san luis obispo and b they already knew that it was a winner
7: jim yeah, I, I I think that's wonderful. Again, we're obviously the chambers really uh, supportive of getting new businesses up and running and how do we support those? I think it's great to talk about pop ups, um, you know, legit permitted pop ups or things <laughs> creating space where they can do those things and market test do you have an audience? Yep. Um and I think that's a really great point and an idea that um, you know, because you might have something amazing, but is this community open for it? That's yeah. a whole other question. Yeah.
2: Yes. All right. Jim, good to hear from you. Thanks for calling in. 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832 if you want. You the conversation with Jamie Lewis talking about the recent closing of restaurants. Dan is with us on KVEC. Dan, good afternoon.
0: Good afternoon, guys. Hi, Dan. For taking my call. What's up? Hey, um, I was, uh, speaking with Jamie through social media and, uh, you know, I was kind of giving my opinion and, uh, she asked me, she said, you know, we've known of each other, we've been around each other, played music together for like a while ago. And she said, remind me again, you work in food service? And, uh, I had been working in food service for about, uh, 12 years, maybe 13 years. And went to culinary school, worked in a lot of different restaurants in the area and, uh, was encouraged to call in and I said, Oh yeah, let's, uh, I'd love to hear. I love this conversation. Mm. I love Blue Mango's products. I love High Water. I love High Water and all that. But one of the things I've seen, uh, kind of already mentioned already, is the, the market share. Mm. What's been brought up in the past. Same type of product, you know, scattered throughout. Whereas it was, uh, the topic was just brought up with Benny's and um, different types of restaurants that have their niche. And the they keep bringing in their people or their customers and uh, after I got out of the restaurant industry I joined the military and I was traveling around the country and Jamie I'm sure your brother can attest to this mm. when he <laughs> he's being stationed all over the world in Germany and UK and you know and Okinawa and stuff and they're seeing I've seen some of the real stuff that his wife was posting of all the great things they were trying there are some places that really have the same type of population that the Central Coast has where you have working professionals, you have a robust government service, which involves their, um, you know, which employs people. And then you have, of course, the universities. Yeah. But when you go to these places, they have a variety of not only uh, restaurants, but mm-hmm. uh, modes of service. So you have those pop-ups, you have food trucks all over the place, uh, and it. It, you know, every week when I was living in Washington, D.C., there was a new pop-up
2: coming up, and I oh, what are we going to try this time? Yeah. yeah. And so this is the second call about pop-ups.
4: Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, I think another thing that just occurred to me is I don't believe that Benny's or Ebony or Corazon Cafe cater to students. Maybe one of the reasons those are unique businesses Is that they don't cater to students. I'm not there. I I throw no shade at anybody who caters to students, but maybe these are the why, this is why these are the ones that we think of that that stand above the others.
2: Yeah. Dan, anything else you want to say?
0: I just, I love what you guys are doing with this. I I just found out about this conversation yesterday that was going to happen today.
2: that's when Jamie found out about it. Don't sweat it. <laughs> All right. Dan, thanks for checking in. 805-543-8830. On the Stolberg line, a listener is suggesting that data from Bureau of Labor Statistics show that approximately 20% of new businesses failed during the first two years of being open and 45% during the first five years. That's what
4: I've heard. Not only that, something that we're not talking about much is COVID. We don't have to go into it, but the PPP oh, funds, the PPP funds, People had them, it was such a huge boost to businesses. Well, those funds have run out now. And so there's the the turbulence that we saw with COVID not knowing if restaurants are gonna make it, looking at different support models. Well, now we're coming I think a bit more into stasis and that is uh, that is perhaps separating the wheat from the chaff.
2: On the Stolberg line, the jury is still out and how those pop-ups turn brick and mortar are going to survive.
4: That's fair. They're still very,
2: very new, which was, and I know you can't answer the question, but, and Jim was saying, well, we have all these new restaurants. Yes, wonderful. But given the issues that you and Robin explained in the first segment, Mm -hmm. the odds are mm, several of those are not going to be around in a year.
4: It's
5: possible. Sure. For sure.
2: All right. But they're different than the others, I would say. All right. Let's go to Alan in San Luis. Hi, Alan.
5: Yeah. Hi, Dave. Hi, Jamie. Hello. The three new ones you just named, where are they located?
4: Oh, okay. Well, Ebony Slow is wonderful. It's out – it's on – it's across from the airport. There is something called the Kitchen Terminal, which is – Is that the old farmhouse? No, no. It's past that. It's kind of up and around from there. you look up Kitchen Terminal anywhere, um, I mean, Google it, and you'll find there's a place that's not – not, I don't know if you'd call it a cooperative kitchen, but there are a few different businesses that operate out of there and Ebony is one of them. Okay. Benny's is Detroit style pizza. It took over the old Pepe Delgado's.
5: Um, oh, that's the one that's like, it's the weird name is in a coot- and social club. Yes, or something. exactly.
4: Yes. And then the third, uh, Corazon Cafe is right downtown. It's next door to the habit. I believe it's Higuera and Choro Street.
2: They got a great look right up in the LA Times.
4: They got it right up in the LA Times and I had, uh, gosh, what was it? It was not enchiladas. It was sort of like Huevos Rancheros there and it was to die for. To die for. Yeah, I'm for.
5: concerned with downtown. In fact, tomorrow I'm planning to get down to the Habit to support them. I like that place.
4: Habit though is a franchise, not, maybe not a franchise, but they, they're going to do okay. If I yeah. may speak into your life, Ellen, I would suggest you go well, somewhere I mean, that's privately tomorrow, owned we'll here we'll in town. Well, I'm
5: going with. The habit will work. You have to go where people want to go. And I do want to, in the next week, try the new Hawaiian barbecue out by um, Dollar Tree. I'm curious to check that one out.
4: Oh, yes. Right. Yeah. I hope yeah. that goes well for you. Yeah, Well,
5: thank you. There are certain places, yeah, I miss village hosts. There are certain places I would frequent to support them. And, and mm-hmm. when they're gone, I'm glad certain places like Cold Cat Cafe is still there mm-hmm. and Cowgirl Cafe is still there. They're mm-hmm. both places I enjoy. And I don't have to pay 20 bucks for a hamburger. Uh, that well. still seems way too much.
4: <laughs> no, you know, to each his own. We'll just see who, who makes it.
2: Alan, thank you very much for the call. Craig, you have a question.
8: If payroll, you said the. Uh, that the food cost itself spiked thirty three percent, and it that was fast. Now I'm just saying, if the payroll cost, food, and utilities cost didn't spike so dramatically, how many of these businesses that are closing would still be around? That's I mean, such a good question. You say, oh well, there's too many pizza places. Well, there did, there wasn't too many p- pizza places a year ago or two mm. years ago. It just seems that now that uh, you know the dog eat dog. Now that things are getting tight, mm-hmm. places are suffering. So if those expenses hadn't gone up would they still be in business?
4: I don't know. I mean, that's such a good yeah. question. That that market saturation thing is really interesting because it, it is, is a litmus on consumer activity, but every community is so different. And I, I don't know. I mean, those pizza places seem to be sustained. Think of Woodstock's, Flower House, Benny's, um, I'm, Giuseppe's. We have so many Italian restaurants, do we not? Oh my gosh. We have Italian and Mexican. We do. But I mean, even the Mexican, the Italian is like <laughs> they're the best. bananas. Uh, yeah. But we also have a gajillion burger places. and um, Which
2: I would expect for a college town.
4: I know. But some of us didn't go to college here and don't teach here. And some of us want to eat other things. I, I, I'm sorry. For, I just, hey,
2: for 35 years, I've been campaigning for a Greek restaurant. That'd be great. All uh, right. Oh, okay. Here we have our fine city manager, Derek Johnson, calling in. Mr. Johnson, good afternoon.
8: How's it going, Dave? Happy New, Year. Happy New Year. Jamie, how you doing? Hi, we're Craig. good. Hey Craig, how's it going? We're all um, good. Hey, thanks for doing this program. I think it's sure. really important. Um, I just a couple of things I wanna to add to the conversation. I think, you know, it's important. It sucks every time we lose a family business downtown. I think, you know, Dave, you know, and uh, we've talked about this before, we fight every day to keep businesses alive. Um, I do think it's important to kind of stay focused on the fact that we do have a strong economy right now uh, regionally. I mean, it's important for people to know that 92% Ninety-two percent of our businesses and our business places are occupied right now, um, and um, it's just important to keep that in mind. Um, and we have some exciting changes that are happening. People have talked about those on the program today, um, and there's you know this is kind of the push-pull that happens anytime you have a thriving uh, downtown, and things come and go. Um, I'm glad that Jim mentioned you know the uh, dine local program. Um, it is an exciting. program. Program. We had some real success with our Shop Local program, which generated nearly a million dollars worth of uh, activity. And so the purpose of my call, Dave, is really to encourage people to show up. And as Jamie mentioned, if you have the opportunity to patronize a local restaurant, do that and participate in the uh, Dine Local program.
2: Right, and, and Derek, the only thing I'd push back on you on, with all due respect, the 92% figure is impressive, but the bigger spaces like CPK, the old Giuseppe's, Beverly's, Ross, you know the list, they're all sitting there empty.
8: And, and, those are, and those are property owner issues, Dave. I mean, there's market interest in those, and there have been folks who have come in and offered above market for at least, I know, Beverly's and Ross, and they've declined those offers. And so they're just like you know, we heard Robin earlier talk about the complexities of why you know, businesses succeed and fail, there are often lots of complexities around why businesses stay vacant. And that's probably a topic of conversation we can have on another program. Totally, to totally.
5: I don't want to talk about that. I'll track you down. <laughs>
8: uh, Derek, thanks so
2: much for the call. Any response to Derek?
4: Oh, well, I just actually really appreciate that Derek has the numbers. I mean, he knows what's opening, what's closing, and I really appreciate um, a city manager who pays attention to that.
2: We appreciate his call. Let's uh, talk to Carrie on KVEC. Carrie, good afternoon.
9: Hi, how are you guys?
2: We're good. Carrie, how are you?
9: Good. It's Carrie Torres. Um who,
4: yes. Carrie Torres, Her she and her husband, Will Torres. Um, Will worked at Justin Winery, who was executive chef there for a long time. And then they opened for, up Farmhouse have- Corner Market um, oh. down by the airport. Great and, restaurant. Yeah, it it is, was a great restaurant. Yeah. And now they live up in Post Falls, Idaho. Yeah. So they made some changes. And I, I had asked Carrie if she'd weigh in on what that was like to close Farmhouse. Yeah, Carrie? Yeah,
9: so um, I mean, we're, we were devastated to actually have to close doors. But, um, I mean, it is what it is at this point. Um, the only thing that I... I didn't get to listen very much, and I'm sorry I've You're got fine. three kids and You're a good. husband and everything. So, You're good. But I did hear somebody comment about the fact that um, they didn't want to pay $20 for a burger. Yes. I am 100% okay with those types of people. I just want people to know, especially on the Central Coast, that the $20 burger is not trying to gouge anybody. It's actually how mm-hmm. much it costs to make the burger <laughs> mm-hmm. and to serve the burger and to support the families that serve the burger and the families that cook the burger. So um, I think that like we're a lot of times in San Luis, we were paying prices in big city, but big that San Luis hasn't grown up to be the big city yet. They still want to stay small um, it's, I mean, it's not a big city. It's still a small city, but yes. it's the, everyone's paying, all of the vendors are paying big city prices. And, um, and to support a full, like, our restaurant was big, and we had a lot of people there, but to support it, to make it work, and to um, be successful, it had to be that price. Mm-hmm. And we got the customers that we got, and then COVID really is what took us out, but...
4: Yeah. We all know, we all know
9: about that.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: That actually sort of makes me choke up a little bit. The fact that the <laughs> burger is it actually costs that much to make it. Yeah. Don't go uh, thinking yeah. that someone's trying to um, make big bucks on you and your burger craving. I
2: picked the right time to
4: become mm-hmm. a vegetarian. Oh well. Anyway, <laughs> but but Carrie, I mean, oh, I, like, yeah, go we're ahead.
9: not even. We're not just. We're not just supporting our employees in, in our restaurant. We're supporting ourselves. We're supporting mm-hmm. um, the dishwasher. We're supporting the farmer that's making the burger, mm-hmm. his family, his workers. So it's, yeah. it's like a $20 burger is going a long way, and if you keep it as lo- local as you possibly can, you're going to pay a little bit extra for it. Yeah. And the quality, too, the quality is where, you know, it's some sweet farmer that's Loves his cows or whatever. He does. Mm -hmm.
4: Yeah, I what I'm finding in in my discussions with people anecdotal and otherwise is that restaurant owners are very hamstrung between wanting to serve a quality product that maybe pushes moves the needle in terms of um, how people dine here and. between that and wanting to please the diner yeah. because you have to please them to make the money but, they what if, to come back. but what about if you came from a big city and you know what's trending and you know what's going and it, and it speaks yeah. to you and you want to share it people don't want it that's really hard
2: yeah, Karen, yeah. anything else you want to say
4: um no just
9: okay. like we still love slow yes we're in a colder different environment but doing well and if anybody cares will's got a good heart again so good. yay we're all good yay. up here <laughs> all right
2: karen well thanks for joining us happy happy new year and be safe up there let's try to squeeze in a couple more phone calls here is uh, jim in aurora grande hey jim hey dave hey, how jim? you doing i know you
1: guys are talking about downtown slow but i live in aurora grande no, no, we're talking little... no we're not to, we're talking about
2: restaurants around the county yep. Jim.
1: oh oh good okay so i still lament the demise of coco's yep uh I understand that uh, that uh, Moe's closed and slow, but we still have it in Pismo Beach, which I love. Also, Brooksburgers evidently opened up over there on uh, Tank Farm. Yep, they're and there. And I hope they're they're doing well. Uh, the village, uh, the Royal Randy Village, uh, Brent Street, Street Deli is still doing great. And there's, a, uh, there's gosh, there's Rooster Creek and Gina's and Mason Bar. They're doing okay. But what I... When I walk up down the street in the village, there's an awful lot of non-food businesses that are just closed. They're just empty, like for lease signs. And I, I'm wondering, boy, that must be, I guess that's an indication of the low, of the general economy.
4: I mean, it may be. Yeah, it's
2: above our pay grade.
4: Yeah, and, yeah. and those, those aren't my expertise. I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry.
2: Yeah. All right, Jim. Thanks for the observation. Appreciate the call. Final call goes to Jeff in Atascadero. Hi, Jeff.
4: Hey,
1: Dave. How you doing? We're good, Thanks Jeff. For taking my call. Sure. What's we'll <clears throat> so, up? I know you're tight on time. Uh, quick question. Uh, I've lived down there for five years before I moved up here in 2000. I'll be back in San Luis tonight drinking and eating somewhere. But uh, <laughs> I heard a rumor that they're going to start making the parking free downtown after 6 o'clock at night. Is that true or false to your knowledge? I have no idea.
4: I know. I would love to have the answer to that. All I know know is that holidays are free, and it's back to one hour free in the structures.
2: Yeah. Okay. All right,
4: guys. Thanks. You're welcome. Jeff,
2: thank you. We'll come back and wrap things up with Jamie Lewis. We're live. We're local. We're hometown. Let's read a couple text messages on the Stolberg line for Jamie Lewis. Number one, the same customers who demand a living wage for every single person in the an employee that exceeds twenty dollars an hour don't want to pay the cost of the actual food at these labor costs.
4: I I don't think I understand the question. Okay, somebody somebody is asking why I don't I don't understand. I
2: guess. Next test. <laughs> Sorry, I'm too no stupid. no I, I uh, um, I'm, I'm I'm trying to translate these as I read uh-huh. them. Do we know any, anything about? Uh, who 's going into the old village host they 're renovating the building there I just
4: saw that as I drove over here. I do not know who's going in there
2: uh, I do not know either um, let 's see. Someone was just hearing uh, Derek Johnson uh, city manager Derek Johnson just said we 're in a strong economy uh, they're just making hurt uh, the, the, this is not relevant to the conversation just <laughs> making political statements it's we- not
4: fruitful right now no okay sorry. okay what have
2: we covered that you wanted to cover as we wrap things up jamie lewis
4: well um it's important to me that we do talk about the eat local bonus it's something i believe in uh, it's a city uh initiative and essentially when you spend a hundred dollars in san luis Obispo city i know we're not only talking about Slow in this conversation, but it is relevant that when you dine in San Luis Obispo City um, Through the month of January you can take your receipts to the Chamber of Commerce and get a $25 gift card to another restaurant So it really is a pretty cool motivator for um, Does it have to be at a restaurant? Yeah, okay. Yeah, it has to be at a restaurant Hmm. Um, I'm looking at the other information because it's so interesting. So Um,
2: I've got 20 seconds. Sure. Uh, Final thoughts
4: well, I just look I when you asked me to be on, I said, yesterday. I don't own a restaurant yesterday, which maybe next time a little more lead time. <laughs> but I, I said, um, I don't own a restaurant, so I don't know. And I really thought about it, but I wanted to put it out to the community. I have a unique position that I know a lot of restaurant owners. Yep. And what they have said to me has been both heartbreaking and encouraging. It's a good time to be a good restaurant owner.
2: And it's always great to have a good guest hmm. like Jamie Lewis on this broadcast. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Jamie.